Coming up on Something is About to Happen. Please do your best. Refuse to be average. Refuse to be mediocre. Refuse to be anything else but excellent. Refuse to just get by in life, but if you're going to do anything, make sure you do it absolutely well. Invest your time, your energy, your diligence, your effort in ensuring that anything you do, that you do it with excellence. Look at about three or four people, point to them if you will, and tell them, I am favored to flourish. A careful look at the fourth chapter of the first book of Chronicles reveals a lengthy genealogy of those who descended from, from Judah uh, through that noble lineage that became noble because of men like David and men like Christ Jesus our Lord and, and God. God in the midst of all these names and all these people in the genealogy picked out one man, Jabez by name, invested two verses in telling us a little bit about him, and uh, then goes on with the genealogy. And the scripture tells us that Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. He had siblings. And his mother did something most untoward to the young lad and called his name Jabez, saying, because I bear him with sorrow. And, and Jabez means pay. <laughs> I, I want to stop for a moment before I proceed and, and say that please do your best. Refuse to be average. Refuse to be mediocre. Refuse to be anything else but excellent. Refuse to just get by in life, but if you're going to do anything, make sure you do it absolutely well. Invest your time, your energy, your diligence, your effort in ensuring that anything you do, that you do it with excellence. Excellence is one of the marks of favor. Excellence is something that, that endears you to God because it's his own spirit. Hallelujah. Excellence is what people enjoy and they like if something is going to be done, do it well. And if you do it well, you will enjoy favor from both heaven and earth. Hallelujah. Do your best. In other words, if you're going to, to own a beauty salon, make sure that it is the best beauty salon in town. That, that people will be willing to drive by all kinds of other beauty salons because they want to get to yours. Hallelujah. If you're going to, to sell bicycles, make sure your bicycle selling shop is the best bicycle selling shop in the world. And that your salespersons, they know how to market, they know how to give you not just a bike, but an experience whilst you're buying the bike. If you're going to sell coffee, do like Starbucks. Don't just sell coffee, give them an experience. An experience in the drinking of the coffee, an experience in coming to the shop, an experience even when they don't come to the shop and buy it off a shelf somewhere in a, in a supermarket. Whatever you do, give it your best shot. Make it a part of your lifestyle. Glory to God. The Bible says concerning Jabez that he was more honorable than his brethren. That meant he went further than them. It meant that he was not an ordinary type of guy. It meant that he had passion to really go forward meant that he was not going to be satisfied with mediocrity or being average. Hallelujah. And the Bible says concerning him that Jabez prayed. So he was honorable, which meant that the way he carried out his life, it brought honor to him. 
People don't honor average. Mankind doesn't honor mediocrity. Yeah, and, and uh, being more honorable than his brethren is, a, is an indication that there was something that he did that they did not do. There's something that he knew that they did not know. And as a result, he excelled above his brethren. In fact, his, his brethren come into some honor, perhaps because of him. And it begins to tell us why he became honorable. And the first thing it tells us about him is that he prayed. But before we talk about his prayer life, let's talk about why he was named Pain. Pain, what a terrible name. What a terrible name. How could you call me Pain? Be careful what you name your children. And even after you've named them, please don't call your son stupid. He may do stupid things, but don't call him stupid. Please don't call her a prostitute. Yeah? Even if she did some stupid stuff, don't call her that. Even if he's done some foolish things, don't call him a fool. Because when an authority who brought a child into life or a ward uh, is up under an authority who's responsible for that child, your words carry extra weight. And so when you birth a child into today's world, you, you naturally will feel sorry for the child because you know what you have faced since you were a child. And if you face what you face, how much more a child born into more severe times than then? But, but pain is not so bad. It's not always a bad thing. Pain has a purpose. And there are different types of pain. There's physical pain. And for those of you who are young, you won't understand it. But those of us who are over 50, uh, sometimes you're going to have some waist pain. Can I get a witness from some of my, my teenagers? Yeah. And, and then just when you're getting rid of the waist pain, and it has no explanation sometimes, uh, then you have knee pain. That's why we always have to help you when you're coming up the stairs. And if it's not knee pain, then it's, it's back pain, lower back especially. Uh, uh, you hear what I'm saying? Uh, and if you don't have any pain, live a little, live a little longer. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, pain is, is a part of life and it becomes a more substantial part of life generally as you get older. And that's why we walk a little different as we age. And aging is a, a process you have to learn how to deal with. In fact, pain is a gift from God. Uh, and th 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 there's another kind of pain and that's psychological pain. That's pain in your thinking. And it normally has a twin brother called emotional pain. Now, when you go to the doctor and you tell the doctor about psychological or emotional pain, the doctor normally cannot help you with dealing with that pain. Because you can only really heal a pain that you can see if you're a doctor. And the kind of pain I believe Jabez was talking about may have involved physical pain. It may have involved the pain of hunger. It may have involved some physicality. But, but I believe that his pain was primarily psycho-emotional pain. That he had deep pain in him that, that affected him where you, the eye could not see. The thing you must then understand is that pain will make you think. And when you have real emotional pain, it can make you think sadistically. It can make you think of suicide. It can make you think of things that are not positive and things that are not helpful to you. Hallelujah. Pain is, is actually your, your body and your mind's and emotion system uh, to warn you of impending danger or impending difficulty. Pain will either make you bitter or it will make you better. Pain is a gift from God. 
And everybody likes gifts, especially when they're good gifts. But I don't really know anybody who likes the gift of pain. Glory to God, pain is a gift. Pain is a gift. Can you imagine if you, if you didn't have pain when you had a cavity and the cavity was allowed to just keep growing, sooner or later you'd have no teeth for the absence of pain. If you put your hand in fire and you didn't feel any pain, your hand will eventually burn off because you would feel no sensation of danger. So pain is, is your body's early warning signal system to let you know danger is pending or danger is here or there's trouble at hand. And I believe this pain came into the life of Jabez and his family because God wanted them to withdraw themselves. God wanted them withdrawn from the thing that caused them danger and harm. And there was one man in the family line that had the wherewithal to make that withdrawal and change the status quo in the family so that he would become the illustration of God, the hand of God, or, or the sign of God to the family that things can change for the better. If you believe that, I want you to lift your two hands and thank God for pain. See, you didn't really do that with any real sense of passion because the truth is we don't like pain. We don't like pain. But I want to tell you, that God whispers through pure pleasure. When he allows you to have God-given pleasure, he's whispering. However, when he speaks, that's above a whisper, he does that through your conscience. Of course, he also uses the word and the Holy Spirit and the witness of the Spirit of God. But when he uses pain, he's shouting. And if you have pain, my, my counsel to you is don't waste it. God is trying to tell you something. All pain has a message behind it. All pain is trying to tell you something. Now all of us like gifts, but pain is the one gift that none of us want. And now you'll know that you're a person that has the favor of God in your life when uh, you can function under pain or with pain and nobody knows that you're hurting or where you're hurting so that other people are carrying pain in their life and it makes it changes the way they walk it changes the way they talk it changes the way they do everything they do and and they want you to know that they have pain but there are others that when they have pain, you can't even see that they have pain. They carry it with dignity. They carry it with honor. It brings out the best oil inside of them when they're going through stuff. It looks like they ain't going through anything at all. They're at their best when as far as pain is concerned, they are at their worst. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but this was the kind of man that Paul of Tarsus was. He said, in all things, I know how to abound and I know how to abase. That when hell comes on and attacks my life I know how to handle it in a way that it brings out the better in me not the bitter in me Paul said having done everything that I'm supposed to do I stand and having done all to stand man I'm going to stand there until God shows up so when Paul was in real trouble he said watch out for me because that's when I'm at my best you've got to know how to carry your pain in such a way that you don't let the devil see you sweat you got to know how to, to, to take a licking and keep on ticking. Hear bad news, keep a good attitude. Throw you in the fire, but don't lose your shout, your song, or your dance. Only tell your secret about your pain to people who will keep your confidence. But don't let an enemy or enemies know what you're going through. Hallelujah. And then when you get out, then you can tell them what God delivered you from. And then they learn a lesson as to how to handle pain even when they're going through. You don't see how pained they are. 
Because pain should never be able to stop you from being who God called you to be and doing what God called you to do. How did Jabez handle his pain? The answer is that Jabez prayed. He had pain in his life. His mother obviously had pain in her life. And he didn't want to live in pain that was so egregious to him and his family. But he said, God, something has to change. How did Jabez change the pain in his life? How did he handle it? The answer is, the Bible says he prayed. Verse 10, the Bible says, and Jabez called on the God of Israel. Hmm. One of the things you have to recognize is that when you're dealing with misery or pain in your life and you bump into somebody else who has misery in their life, be careful because misery loves company. And instead of trying to push you out of their misery and out of this realm of misery, they're happy to welcome you into the club of misery because misery loves company. And you have to watch that. And if you misinterpret your pain, you're going to misuse your pain. Your pain is actually a free gift of power to you from God. It's, it's an opportunity to make a right decision, to find the root cause of that pain and get rid of it. Hallelujah. Don't let pain linger long in your mind or your emotions or in your body. Get rid of it quickly. Hallelujah. So Jabez prayed. And what was his prayer? The Bible says he called on the God of Israel. And, and what did he say? He, he, he said that you would bless me. His prayer was urgent. It was an urgent prayer. How do I know it was urgent? Because his prayer was short and he made the prayer personal. So his prayer was urgent and then it was personal. He wasn't praying for grandma. He wasn't an intercessor here praying for uncle or auntie or, or husband or wife. He said, bless me. In other words, I'm, you're dealing with me here. It's, you that I, it's me that I want you to touch. It's me that I want you to help. You cannot be a blessing without first being blessed. You cannot be a helper until you are first helped. Glory to God. You, you cannot make somebody else whole until you are first whole. Take care of you. It's not selfishness. It's proper selflessness. Because there has to be a self first before there can be help for others. You've got to take care of you first. As you grow older, you'll understand that giving yourself away continually will leave you with nothing. Look at David in Psalm 23. David is personal about his prayers. And David said, the Lord is what? My shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow, then I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thyself, they comfort who? Me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup, not my neighbor's cup, not my auntie's cup, but my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow my brother. Goodness and mercy will follow my mother. Goodness and mercy will follow my father. No, friend, goodness and mercy will follow me so that they will follow the goodness and the mercy. Until they have a personal prayer life before you, they can't have what I have. You've got to learn sometimes to put yourself first. 
Otherwise, you can't become selfless to others because there's no self. <laughs> Hallelujah to God. So his prayer was urgent, it was personal, and uh, it was extreme. It was audacious. He said, don't just bless me. He said, bless me indeed. In other words, bless me over the top, too good to be true kind of blessing. In other words, I don't want to ask you for, for a job. I want to own the company. I don't want to be a senior employee. I want to be the CEO. And this is not a prayer you want others to hear. This is between you and God behind closed doors. That's the kind of prayer he likes to hear. And besides, God isn't excited about prayers for little things. He'll do them for you and there's a season for that. But that's not what excites him. So he enjoys it when you, you ask him for big things. Because one of the things he wants you to know is that he's a very big God. Ooh. And that he's always on your side. He wants you to know that. Are you still here? I'm going somewhere in a hurry. In fact, he tells us in Hebrews 11 and verse 6 that without faith, it is impossible to please God. You don't need faith to cure a headache. Take two Panadol. But if they are big things, don't waste your mind on them. Go to God. God enjoys to answer big things. You know, sometimes he'll disqualify your little request because he's trying to shove you into a big request. Wants you to know that you're mistreating him and you're maligning him every time you only ask him for little things. Because your mind is still trapped in the warp of the minuscule. He wants you to go through a mind-expanding experience till you, 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 you see that your God is big and he made you in his image and he wants little you to do some big things in the world. Hmm. There's somebody here. God says, the only reason why I haven't answered you in the request is because you're asking for too little. You're asking for far too little. Help me and give somebody a Bluetooth help and say, I think he's talking about you because he's not talking about me. <laughs> You're asking for too little. You're investing so much time, so much shondai, karaba, shaba, 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 in, in little stuff. God wants you to be different and he wants to show off his goodness and his bigness, the invisible God, in your visible life. So he wants to do some big things through you. That's where the experience came from. That's where the Rock Cathedral came from. From people asking God to do big things in a bigger way. Hallelujah. So don't go to him and ask him for a job. Ask him for the company. That's what indeed means. When you use the word indeed, what it means is, I want you to do it to the extreme. Don't ask him. Don't ask him for good. Ask him for excellent. Don't ask him to be a player on the soccer team. Ask him to, that you want to own the football team. Some of you ask for too little from him all the time. James 4 in the second verse, he said in the last clause, you have not because you ask not. So if you don't have it, it's because you're not asking for it. And some of us, we aim so low because we want to get it. And we end up getting nothing. But if you aim high, you may or may not get higher, but you're going to get something. Stop pestering God for little stuff. Ask him for the big stuff. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. So we see Jabez's pain. We see Jabez's prayer. Now let's look at Jabez's passion. What did Jabez pray? Jabez prayed and he said, 9th and 10th verse, 10th verse, he called on the God of Israel saying, oh that you would bless me indeed 
And he now says, enlarge my coast. But he has so much passion that he's willing to, to drive through his pain, drive into a big sense of responsibility because he has passion. So we see his pain, we see his prayer, we see his passion. Say, God, enlarge my coast. In other words, expand my responsibility. Give me ability to handle a lot more than I'm handling or that anybody in my family has handled before. He has passion. That's why he, he's asking for the daunting. He's asking for the enormous. He's asking for stuff that's outlandish because he has passion. Let me tell you, I would not be here today if I paid attention to what my haters say. And let me show you something. Felix, will you come quickly? When your haters now are numbered amongst the great in the land, don't feel bad because anybody who's stabbing you in the back, stab me in the back. Anybody who's stabbing you in the back, guess what? Stay, I put your hand. Yeah, I want to feel it. Stab me in the back. What does it mean? That he's behind me. He's not in front of me. Whereas my perception is that he was in front of me, but they can't stab you in the back unless they are behind you. So a backstabber is not a foe. He's a backstabber. A foe is somebody who fights you in your face. And when a backstabber stabs you in the back, it means you have passed him. <laughs> And unless you have thick skin, you can't handle it. They'll talk about you, keep on moving. They'll backstab you, keep on moving. The more you move, the further out of their reach you get because they don't have hinds feet like God has given you. So if you keep on moving, you're going to go so far out of their way, they won't even see your tail light and your brake lights ain't working because you ain't pressing no brakes. You on the accelerator. You hear what I'm saying? Tell two or three people right now with a Bluetooth elbow, keep on moving. I know they hate you and they can't stand the ground you walk on, but keep on moving. Another one slow you down that's why they threw mud in your face but wipe it off whilst you move and friend keep on moving I know they said all kinds of nasty things about you and it's causing you psycho emotional pain but keep on smiling whilst you keep on moving because if they see that it affects you they'll keep on doing it because what they're trying to do is affect you till you stop and stop moving forward but the devil is a liar the more you vex me the more I'm gonna keep moving the more you try to shut us down the more we're going to keep on doing. The more you try to prevent us, you don't realize it, but you're provoking us. Like the worries say, you, I, I don't provoke you. You hear what I'm saying? You've you got to keep on moving because your enemies are going to become much greater. Their power is going to become much greater than any force that fought against you before. And if they make you stop, then you're not ready for the future. And if you can't handle the horsemen or the foot soldiers, how do you think you handle the swelling of the Jordan? So he prayed, or rather he had pain, he prayed, he had passion. Passion is the power to press through the pressure and the pain. And he also had presence, he had the presence. And how do we know he had the presence? He said, he called on the God of Israel saying, that thou wouldest bless me and enlarge my coast and that my, thy hand, thine hand might be with, with me. That's the operative word there, thy hand with me. He didn't want to become stupid because if he has all that blessing and the blessing gets to his head, he knows that the blessing can make you stupid. And you start worshiping the blessing instead of the blessor, the creation instead of the creator. You start worshiping what you have become instead of worshiping the God who helped you to become. And he says, keep your hand on me. 
The presence of God's hand is to keep you sane. The third thing, the fifth thing he asked for was protection. He asked for protection. He said, he called upon God. In his pain, he called upon God. So he had pain, he had prayer. Uh, that, that you would bless me indeed. His prayer was personal uh, and he wanted God to bless him exceptionally. He wanted to be an exceptional person. He wanted God to bless him to the top. And he said, enlarge my coast, evidence of his passion that he was willing to take on greater responsibility. You have to have God's hand on you. So that when people are broken and in need, you have what it takes to meet them and you know how to keep the 99 together. Anything that is blessed becomes a target. And you know, it's easy when God has raised you up, you become a target. Why? Because somebody else wants what you have and doesn't understand how you got it. Because they didn't see you pray. They didn't see anything that you did or anything that you were to God. They just saw you become great. And so they hate you for it because they think you did so to their detriment. And as a result, you become a target because it makes them feel better when they pull you down. If they can't pull you down, at least they pull your image down or your reputation down. Hallelujah. So you got to watch it. And you can't pay them any attention. And when they hurt you, you can't become vengeful. Otherwise, instead of becoming better, your pain makes you bitter. Your pain should always make you better because when God is, is, is the one who permits pain to come in your direction, he intends it for good. But whenever the enemy brings pain, he intends it for bad. Joseph got better, not bitter. Yep. So he prays for protection and he says that thou wouldest keep me from evil so that it would not become egregious to me, so it would not grieve me. In other words, I don't want to go back to pain. When you pull me out of this pain, God, I want to be out of it completely. There's some of you here today, you had a life that has been laced with pain or traced with pain or inundated with pain. And God says that I'm bringing you into a season where you will be pain free. Oh, I know you haven't had that kind of pain. That's why your response is so weak. I said, God said that he's going to bring you into a season, a, a lifetime where you no longer have pain. And when pain shows up a little bit, he knows how to bring you into a place of worship and praise so the presence of God distills upon you that you feel no pain. Because some of your pain is psycho-emotional. It's a result of your thinking. And he says to you, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ. In other words, if you think like Christ thinks, your mind will forever be on those things which are above, those things which are lovely, those things which are pure, those things which are noteworthy, those things that provoke praise. And as a result of that kind of heavenly thinking, your emotions will not be fueled with negativity that causes you to have emotional pain. So that you could be going through a tough time like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, where you know that other people go into fire and they die but you will go into the fire and you know it won't even burn you it won't even smudge you a little you'll be able to go through stuff and know that if God is for me who can be against me your thinking is what causes your, your emotional pain it's your kind of thinking that causes your emotional pain stop thinking the way you've been thinking and it will stop you from hurting the way you've been hurting you got to do that so we see this, pain, prayer, we see his passion, we see the presence of God, and then we see protection in his life, because he prays, keep me from evil so that it does not harm me. 
And then we see the answer to his prayer in the 10th verse. And God granted him that which he requested. In other words, everything that Jabez asked for, God gave it to him. The result of those seven things in Jacob's, in Jabez's life was Jabez became honorable. That means people would see him and it was not hard for them to give him honor. Hallelujah. So seven things, make a list, here it is. Number one, God is going to honor your life. If you learn from Jabez and his prayer and the things we've taught today, God is going to honor your life. What a man can do to honor you is one significance, but when God himself decides, I am going to make you honorable and inscribe you as such in the scriptures, my friend, you will not be able to escape the honor. Even when you're trying uh, to not be honorable, God will still make you honorable. Hallelujah. Uh, when God does a thing, it is permanent. When God does a thing, it lasts. When God does a thing, it has a permanent dimension to it. Number two, you will have as a result the tenacity and spirit of prayer in your life. Prayer will become as easy to some of you as it is to breathe in and to breathe out. And you do so without even thinking about it because he puts a spirit of prayer with the staying power of prayer in your life. It becomes your nature to be in touch with God, to be in connection with him. And as a result of a praying life, you will see the distillation of the goodness of God indeed in Actuality in every dimension, facet, area, and aspect of your world. God is going to give you honor and he's also going to give you the spirit of tenacity in prayer. You will have staying power in prayer where others don't pray at all. You will spend a few seconds praying and you'll see answers. And the answer provokes you to go from the prayer of supplication to the prayer of thanksgiving. And as you give God thanks, God says to his angel, said, give him some more. I like the way he's thanking me. That's why God could not stop blessing David because David was perhaps the most thankful man that lived upon the face of the earth. His gratitude became the attitude of his government, his cabinet, and his nation. That in his time, Israel were the only people that had no veil before the Ark of the Covenant. He had 24-7, 365 praise going up before the Lord at the seat of mercy. And the result of that was God could not stop blessing David. Even when David was dead, he'd look for his children and his grandchildren and his great-grandchildren and he said concerning them that they were the beneficiaries of what was called the sure mercies of David. I don't know if you hear me what I'm saying to you this morning but mercy is the main factor in the blessing of God coming upon your life because when you did wrong judgment was assigned against you. The wrath of God was released to come and judge you but mercy outran judgment and stood in your place and said beat me down. I'm standing identifying with the guy you were sent to sentence. Hear me what I'm saying to you. If you're that person who's grateful this morning, that had it not been for mercy on your side, you would have been swallowed up. I want you to give God just one urgent prayer and tell him you're thankful for his mercy. Had it not been for God's mercy, I would have been swallowed up. Had it not been for God's mercy, I would be a, 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 a tombstone in the cemetery. Had it not been for God's mercy, I would be a proverb and a byword. But when they wanted to keep 
kill me and they wanted to malign me and they had their slander written against me God said it won't work for I hear the prophet declare no weapon that is fashioned against you shall be able to prosper you know why it's the mercy of God thank him for his mercy this morning thank him for his grace this morning and so we see that he's going to honor you number two he's going to put the spirit of prayer on you number three Jabez said bless me bless me I read Ephesians 1 and verse 3 and it said blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has already blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ that means there are two fundamental factors that you must have at work in your life you must be conscious of the fact that you are in Christ if you are not in Christ, you can have a blessing but never take possession of it. If you are not in Christ, you will be unaware that you are above only and never beneath. Because the blessing is in Christ in heavenly places. And it is there that he blessed you with all. So if you're going to get all, what you need to work on is not the all. What you need to work on is the knowledge that I am in Christ. Where? In heavenly places. Where? At the right hand of the Father. Where? Far above all principality and power all rulers of darkness wickedness in high places and once you take that consciousness man you are going to see the blessing of God inundate you overflow you that your containers will not have enough room to receive it you have so much blessing that it will kill selfishness in your life you have so much blessing my friend that you become a natural overflow seed sower oh help me if you're the one I'm talking about and look for three people right now and tell them I have every blessing that there is so if you see me driving what I've never driven before don't blame it on me blame it on God if you see me living where I ain't never lived before don't blame it on me it was God the father of our Lord Jesus who blessed me and friends it's not a blessing that he's about to bless you with it's a blessing that he blessed you with before you got here that blessing was transacted and completed 2,000 years ago on the cross of Calvary that's why when Paul wrote about it he said blessed past tense be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed me past tense with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ if that's you look for five people right now tell them I am already blessed I'm blessed in every area I'm blessed in every dimension. I'm blessed on every side. I'm blessed where I've been hurting. I'm blessed in spite of my pain. Number four. Number one is honor. Number two is the spirit of prayer. Number three is the blessing of the Lord. Number four. It's exceptional. It's exceptional. In other words, in the whole lineup in chapter four, he's the only one. Of all his brethren, he was the only honorable one. God made an exception with him. Things he would not do with others. God says, I'm going to do it in your life. You better claim that and take it right now. Are you ready for number five? Number five, you will have passion for expansion. In other words, where other people drop out because they can't handle the fury that comes with the future, you will have passion because of your possession. On Mount Zion, there will be holiness and deliverance. And you've got to have passion for it. We wouldn't be here if some people didn't have passion. 
we would have turned over and said, no, we're not going to host the experience if we didn't have passion. You know why you're born again today? Because Jesus had passion in the week when he had the most fury released against him from the hordes and hounds of hell. His passion was, I've got to get to the cross. I've got to go and make myself the sacrifice, the Pascal lamb for the redemption of my people. And he was willing to take insults from what he created, from people he made, endured contradiction from sinners, yet he is the holy God because of his passion for you to come to his level through this whole transaction called redemption. Are you here? Where's your passion? If one slander can stop you, do you have passion? If one mistake can stop you, is that passion? Just because you did wrong, is that going to stop you when God has already paid the price for your sin? Just because they, they maligned you, you're going to quit? You're going to quit on your future? Do you know how many people are depending on your future that don't even know you're the one who's going to resource them? Or are you just going to be one of those guys in the lineup who doesn't make a difference? Just a name and we know nothing about you. If you came to this earth, would you not leave footprints in the sands of time? Or will you just be a nobody, a, a number in a list? Where's your passion? Honor, spirit of prayer, the blessing, and then not just the blessing, exceptionalism in your life. Number five, passion for expansion. And number six, the presence of God. And number seven, he promises to protect what concerns you, to protect you. Those seven things are yours. Can I prophesy them on you one more time? I declare over your life, house on the rock, to everyone who's in this room this morning, your life is going to become supernaturally honorable. God is going to garment you with honor. Number two, you will have ease in prayer, the anointing that makes prayer easy. You won't even be praying your prayers, but you'll be praying what is on God's heart, what God has already provided and given you the vision of so that you're praying for what he has already prepared. Number three, you are going to be so blessed in your life that it will uplift you, it will exalt you to new dimensions and to new heights that honor will not just be something heaven has done for you, it will be something that earth ascribes and subscribes to in your life. Number three, you will be the exception in your lineage. You'll be the exception in your family. You'll be the exception in your clique or your club or your group. God will make an exception of you like he made of the widow of Zarephath, like he made of Naaman the warrior general of Syria. God will make an exception in life. Number, number five, because of what God is doing in your life, you will have grand vision. Some people will call you uh, grandiose delusionary, but but you will have great vision uh, that some will laugh at you. But whilst they're laughing, God will be fueling you with a new level of passion. Uh, passion for expansion, passion for more responsibility, passion that cannot be stopped by obstacles or mountainous peaks or difficulties along your way because he's the God who makes your rough road smooth, he makes your crooked path straight, he exalts your valleys and he brings low your mountains. And the sixth thing is that the presence of God will not depart from your life. God says to you, David, he says to you, Joseph, he says to you, Ruth, my hand is going to be with you. 
I will surround you on every side. I'll be with you wherever you go. I'll be with you when you're good. I'll be with you when you're bad. I'll be with you when you're up. I'll be with you when you're down. I'll be with you on the mountain and like I was with David. Yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I've given you a fearless spirit and you will fear no evil because I have my weapons with me. And number seven, you won't only have the presence, you will have the continual miracle, the supernatural supply of divine protection. He's going to protect your mind. He's going to protect your ministry. He's going to protect your mantle. He's going to protect your mandate. He's going to protect your children. He's going to protect your future. He's going to protect your, your household. He's going to protect your transportation, your accommodation. He's going to protect your mind. He's going to protect you from sin. He's going to protect you when you fall. He'll protect you when you failed. He'll protect you when you rise up. He'll protect you when you sit down. Friend, the blessing of God is upon you. The blessing of the Lord is upon you. I declare over your life, the blessing is upon you. Friend, I want you to go to seven people. Don't touch them. Stay socially distant. But tell them the blessing of God is upon your life.